You are listening to the Wesley Seminary Podcast out of Wesley Seminary at Iowa. Your host today is Dr. Aaron Perry, Assistant Professor of Pastoral Care. Maybe when you hear the phrase personal evangelism, it feels daunting, maybe a little bit scary. Maybe it's energizing. Maybe it's what you live for. So many different responses we can have to that aspect of the Christian faith. Maybe you're saying... uh, evangelism, personal evangelism itself has to be connected with discipleship. You're going to hear all those things talked about in today's episode. You're going to hear from Mike McNeil. Mike is a uh, former professor of mine. He's the program director and associate professor of evangelism and compassion ministry at Kingswood University, where I did my undergraduate degree in Sussex, New Brunswick, Canada. And I have not met a person who has more great stories about sharing their faith than Mike does. Mike has been such an encouragement, such a, a motivator to me in my own life and sharing sharing my faith and finding ways to do that in ways that are winsome. He has been a teacher uh, to many, and and I count myself privileged to uh, be part of his students. I think you're going to get some energy, some funny stories, some joy out of listening to today's episode. So thanks so much for tuning in. So Mike, let's just start with a a pretty big question. Um, Why is evangelism so important to you? Why is personal evangelism something that has been such a, a mark in your life? Well, I didn't grow up uh, in the church. I, I kind of grew up as a kind of stereotypical post, you know, post-Christian Canadian. And uh, so I, I didn't come to faith till I was 24 and really had not been exposed much to the evangelical church or the idea of having a relationship with God. And so, so for me, it was, uh, I had one of those Damascus Road kind of conversions and that, that really... Um, uh, that just, it's always been on my heart to kind of reach out to people that were, you know, that are in the situation that I was in. And you've really made a life of sharing the gospel. I mean, like, I, I mean, I've, I first crossed paths with you at uh, at a youth camp when I was probably 10 or 12 years old, even before I was able to attend the youth camp and you were, you were there preaching. And, and I remember one night my parents taking me over, my brother was at the camp, you were there and you're, you were sharing the good news of Jesus through your personal stories and through scripture. You've, you've done that in that kind of uh, revivalist camp meeting setting. You've done that on the streets of Toronto. You've done that on uh, in, in airports, in countries that are outside the United States and Canada, right? Like you've taken this uh, everywhere. How have you maintained that passion for personal evangelism? You know, I really wish I had an answer for that. I don't know. I just don't, I just, it's just something, I guess when God uh, like lays something on our heart and he gifts us in a certain direction, we just kind of never, it never gets old. We never get tired of doing it. And so, so I've been doing this for a long time, but I, I still really enjoy it. The, the thing that, uh, the thing that kind of gets me up in the morning, you know, I have parts of my job that are administrative or, you know, other things, but the, the thing that really gets me up in the morning is, is just doing ministry and, and reaching out to people. So uh, I, I love going to prisons. I love, I love doing ministry, uh, you know, locally. I love doing ministry across the world. You've written a book called Jesus Kicks and there's a silhouette of a donkey. We'll let 
uh, listeners interpret what word you would have them put in there. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the stories from that book, which are just really entertaining, really amazing, really meaningful in just a minute. But let me just kind of tease this out a little bit more as far as you know, personal evangelism in your own life. Has there ever been a time in your life where you would say has maybe been a dry time with it that you're like, man, I just haven't had the opportunity to share the gospel in a meaningful way with somebody in a one-on-one or in a personal way, whether it was one-on-one or in a group. And, and you said that was kind of a dry time. Or was there a time in your life that it was just kind of uh, dry as far as your own spiritual life? And so it was more of a discipline to share the faith. Has there ever been, ever been a time that you would consider a dry time in the midst of personal evangelism? Oh, yeah. And I mean, the flesh is always is always present with us. So there's a lot of days where I, you know, I kind of wake up and you know, really all I want to do is like watch Netflix and, and not do much of anything at all. But I find that I find that if if we just kind of do the right thing anyway, that the feelings kind of come later, and so so a lot of times, uh, what can be what can start out as as kind of the worst day where you're not really feeling it at all, you know, can turn into the best day later on. So I was uh, I was in Peru this summer, and it was like it was our last night. I was with a team in Peru, and we were supposed to we were scheduled to go to this church plant, and. Uh, and, and share the gospel in this neighborhood. It was only like uh, the church plant was two months old and uh, hadn't really made much of a dent in the, in the neighborhood yet. It was just outside of Lima. And so we got stuck in all, all this traffic. We got there an hour and a half late. And the only people that were at the church for the service were the two church planters. So it was potentially a very discouraging situation. They suggested we go door to door and just and and round people up and so after doing that for an hour we had five people in the service so it was a potentially a really really discouraging night the good news is that all five of those people weren't christians and all five of them responded to the gospel wow at the end of the service and so so what what, what started out as like the worst night you know eventually turned into the best night just because just because we were faithful and, and just seeing it through and persevering. And I find, find a lot of evangelism, a lot of ministries like that. Uh, it's not necessarily based on, you know, on whether I'm feeling uh, spiritual or unspiritual, or whether my life is, you know, going through a dry spell or, or I feel close to God. If you, if you just kind of, if you're faithful in, you know, in sharing the word, God, God usually works. So, Mike, you've written the book, Jesus Kicks, uh, Silhouette of a Donkey, and uh, that emerges from one of the stories in the book. You've got, uh, was it 40 stories that are, that are captured in this book? Yeah, it's 30, 37 stories of okay. God using, uh, just kind of working in unusual situations and unusual ways with, with uh, unlikely kind of people. Well, start us out. Give, give us one of the stories from the book that you would consider, you know, kind of one of the more memorable or unusual ones. Well, one of my one of my classic stories, I think I, I've spent a lot of time in New York City uh, in my life doing doing ministry there, and uh, and and this one day I wasn't feeling particularly spiritual. I was volunteering with a ministry called the New York City Relief Bus, and uh, they're like a rolling soup kitchen that shows up in a neighborhood for four hours. So I was with them in Harlem, and I was working the tea, the secondhand T-shirt table, and uh, I see this guy coming down the street. And he's kind of walking like a gangster and uh, he gets two cups of soup and he starts to walk away. And all of a sudden the soup flies up in the air. He goes down 
onto the sidewalk uh, and, and rolls and comes up in a fighting karate uh, kind of position. And then he locks eyes with me. I'm standing at the t-shirt table, just kind of watching this unfold. He locks eyes with me and runs straight towards me, grabs me by the shirt and says, I need to become a Christian right away. <laughs> and uh, it's the only time that's ever happened to me in my whole life. And so he's yelling. So I begin yelling and we're yelling back and forth. And, and eventually I yell him through the sinner's prayer. And, and then we both calm down and he tells me that his, that his name is Cobra, which is a great name to have if you're in Harlem. And uh, that he's just gotten out of prison that his mom is a, um, his mom is a, goes to a Pentecostal church and the whole church has been praying for him. And, and he told me, he said, I just came here for the soup, man, but, but your God took me down. And that's why I came up in a fighting position. But then I thought to myself, God's too big. Who can fight with him? I should become a Christian instead. And that's when I ran up to you, grabbed you. And, you know, and, and so I'm processing all of this. This is really, you know, we, we talk about God touching people, but we don't think of that like in a Chuck Norris kind of sense of like taking them down. So I'm trying to process this theologically. And, uh, you know, I'm like, he, I introduce him to all the people that run the bus and he eventually gets more soup and leaves. And so, and I'm going, God, was that even real? Like, was that possible? And six months later, I'm there and I see this guy and he looks kind of familiar. And I'm like, Cobra, is that you? And he's like, yeah, I don't really go by that name anymore. But, and, you know, and I find out it was a real conversion. Like he, wow. he, he's going to church. He's reading his Bible. Uh, he's volunteering now with the relief bus. And, uh, and his life is kind of in the process of turning around. And it really just reminded me like how powerful God is and what the, how he will go to great lengths sometimes to, to reach out to people. Mike, I love that you use that phrase. It turns out it was a real conversion because I know that sometimes that's one of the things that people are asking about or are wondering, uh, you know, you have these, these amazing encounters and is there fruit, right? Does it stick? And, and for me, just a week and a half ago, I'm on an airplane. I've got this two and a half hour conversation sharing the faith with a guy who's articulating back to me in not his first language, some uh, the best way that I can articulate the faith and try to defend it and, and give reason to it. And the, the whole time I'm like, man, is, is this guy like, uh, is this guy like a, a Jehovah's witness or a Mormon? And, and he's actually an apologist and he's willing to like turn all this back against me. Like, cause it was so articulate. And, and at the <laughs> end of it, he, at the end of it, he accepts Christ into his life and, and commits himself to Christ. And, and I'm just asking that question now, like, is this, is this going to stick, right? Is this, is this going to bear fruit in his life? And it's kind of one of these things that you just have to entrust the person to God and say, okay, God, I was, you put me in that spot at that time. And I was faithful to carry out uh, communicating and, and witnessing to who you are and what you've done for me. And now I've got to entrust this person to you. Uh, how do you, you know, wrestle through that? How how have you learned to to give these people over to God that you have these encounters with? Yeah, I think I think if if God is really working in a person's heart, like I think I think God uses a, a team, he uses a whole chain of people uh, to reach somebody, and and sometimes, you know, obviously, if we lead someone to Christ, we're the best person to disciple them. But that's not always possible if you're 
if you're speaking somewhere or you're on a plane or you're on a mission and uh you know i think we just have to trust in god's goodness that that the holy spirit was working on this person a long time before we came on the scene that he just uses us for one little part of it and and he's going to be he's going to be with them a long time after we're gone and so i think i think sometimes we're too concerned about you know propping people up in their faith like we we don't have the faith to believe that god is part of that process and so i think that um i think that it's it's just um yeah we we sometimes we just have to leave it uh, leave it up to god and uh, i think it's awesome aaron that uh, you and i are both professors and the stereotype of the professor is somebody that you know kind of talks in the classroom about ministry but doesn't actually do it and and i'm i think it's awesome if professors professors can be practitioners and oh, uh and it's, it's awesome that you led that guy to christ well what it's a it's a privilege right like and and to be at the spot where god has put you specifically for that moment and to know that uh you are are exactly where you want to be or exactly where you need to be um that you know all the things that god is orchestrating sustaining this that you, that he's he has put you in a spot to do something unique for him is is such a privilege and, and honor and you know i don't want to forget it uh, let, let me use that to transition into a question because frankly there's personal evangelism can scare people right it can it can scare them to to share their faith and you know one of the greatest fears that human beings have is public speaking and so uh, they think about sharing their faith is just daunting in itself. And then it's a kind of public speaking, right? And and so it's like a double whammy as, as far as things go to be afraid of. And then maybe they read and hear some of your stories and they're like, it's like a triple fear because they're like, I don't want to be in New York City with a guy charging at me. I hardly want to share my faith. I'm just afraid of that. I don't even want to speak out loud to people, you know, about really important subjects that I'm going to have to, you know, be vulnerable, be vulnerable about. It's like a, it's like a triple whammy of, of fear. Uh, and yet, somewhere inside them, God does give us uh, the call. He does, he does call on us to share about him, to tell others about him. The Christian faith has been uh, passed along for, you know, generation after generation after generation after generation after generation, so much, so many more generations you could add to that, by people speaking their faith to other people. What would you say to the person who just kind of has that trepidation, has that fear about personal evangelism? Uh, what would you say to them to maybe assuage some of that fear, encourage them in the midst of it? What would you say to that person? Well, I think I think that that fear is, is real, and it's uh, it's something that everybody experiences uh, whenever we step out. Uh, there's risk involved, and so everybody experiences it, you know, to a certain level, depending on their kind of personality. I was, I was actually a really shy kid, and so, so a lot of the stuff I do doesn't, it just doesn't come naturally to me. It, it's come more supernaturally to me. So the, you know, the Bible says that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, uh, gives us boldness. One of the signs in the Book of Acts uh, of of the Holy Spirit's coming was that the disciples, uh, that the apostles spoke the word about great boldness. And so God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us, you know, a spirit of, of uh, love and power and a sound mind. And in uh, the Holy Spirit will, he will give us what we need when we need it. And he will help us to 
regardless of our our own uh, level of comfort and our own you know kind of personality types or whatever box that that we put ourselves in and so so i think what one of the things that happens as we as we kind of empty ourselves out and we we get filled with the holy spirit there's a there's a certain boldness that comes with that that's not it's not based on personality type or certain outward gifts uh, everybody shares jesus to others you know in a, in a different way everybody is unique but i've i've noticed i've noticed that uh that there is a certain common thread, uh, you know, that most people I talk to who share their faith uh, came to a point in their life when they, when they said to God, God, I can't do this on my own. Like I, this needs to be a spiritual thing. This needs to be uh, by your spirit, not, uh, not just uh, by myself. I, I really appreciate you saying that. I mean, because sometimes we build up in our minds, like the stereotypical evangelist and they can like, carry a, a, a crate around with them and they're just waiting for that opportunity to jump out and, and be proclaiming the gospel, you know, on a street corner. And, and that's not it at all. I mean, God has wired us individually and uniquely. He has worked uniquely in our, in our lives to give us uh, insight into who he is. And no salvation story is the exact same. Even, even, you know, a stereotypical story has its own unique twists and turns because nobody has lived the exact same life. And you never know what way that God has reached a person is going to form their imagination in a way that just has the right connection with somebody else and their imagination and how they need the story of God communicated to them in the moment. So it really is the sense of personal evangelism, right? If, if, it's, if evangelism is, is daunting, we have to remember it's personal, right? It's a personal evangelism. It's something that's sharing from our own story. And I've also found it really helpful just to refine your story, right? I mean, it's an easy, it's an easy mnemonic to be like uh, before Christ or without Christ, meeting Christ and after Christ. And for me, it's, it's tough for me to think about a time before I knew God. And certainly that, that picture has been refining, but I have been able to develop a sense of who I would be like if God was not in my life. And I'm able to articulate that way. And then meeting Christ, I'm able to articulate pivotal moments in my life whenever I was able to see, you know, I could have gone to the left or I could have gone to the right. And I knew God was leading me to the right and I went right, you know, and, and the difference that that made and, and the person that I'm striving to become, that's not a kind of, I hope it's not a kind of arrogance that I'm a different person now than I would be without the grace of God in my life. And I'm able to articulate who I would be without him and what kind of person I would be without him. So that before Christ, meeting Christ, after Christ, I found a really helpful mnemonic. And, and if people practice that and rehearse it and share it with people that they know and love, God will give them opportunity, right? God, God, will, God wants to be known, right? If that's God's will to be known and for people to know, come to know him and experience him in a saving way, uh, he'll give those opportunities. Sometimes we just need a bit of preparation and, and God will be faithful to that, to that faithfulness that we've shown to him. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to be lost. There's a lot of ways to uh, kind of be away from God. And so I think God wants to use a lot of different kinds of Christians to reach a lot of different kinds of non-Christians. And there's going to be people that will relate to me that won't relate to you and vice versa. And so yeah. I, you know, I think the I think the original pattern in the Bible is that God wants to use all of us. He wants to use, he wants to use the, the whole church to reach out to the whole world. And yeah. so, so we can just put our, 
we can put our stereotypes aside and, and you know what we think God will use. And my philosophy is like I will I will try almost any method. Like I will try anything. You know, the only line I have is a line of sin. I won't I won't try uh, you know something if I if I think that it's wrong in some way. But I will try like anything. You know, pretty much once I'll at least give it a shot uh, in terms of in terms of reaching out to people. And so. I think we should just, yeah, I think God is creative. I think if we have crazy ideas, we should just, you know, give them a try. And, uh, and, and I've seen God use a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of different ways to bring people to himself. So I don't discount any of those. Talking today with Mike McNeil. Mike is professor at Kingswood University in Sussex, New Brunswick, Canada, was one of my professors and a person that I've always found to be really inspirational and just a, a fun person to be around and convicting kind of person because I know Mike lives his faith out. Uh, Mike is the author most recently of a book called Jesus Kicks with a silhouette of a donkey. Um, you can follow, give Mike a follow on uh, Twitter at McNeil Mike Al. M-A-C-N-E-I-L-M-I-K-E-A-L. Give him a follow on Twitter. Check out uh, Jesus Kicks, and you can contact him through Twitter to uh, see about getting a copy of that book. Mike, give us another story from the book. It's chock full of stories of your own personal moments of personal evangelism and ways that you have seen God show up in amazing and miraculous ways. Give us another story from the book. Well, the the title story of the book, which has you know where where's where the cover came from, and and uh, you know kind of gets kind of gets the most reaction, I guess, was from a uh, we were we were up on Young Street in Toronto. Toronto's very very multicultural, uh, and uh, we were we were doing um, some street ministry, just doing some music on the on the corner, and a uh, little crowded gathered, but not much was happening. We were just kind of singing some songs and. This this guy who looked really drunk or high, he came up to me and and uh, he he said, "Hey, I, I have a drum. If I go get it, can I play with you guys?" And I just wanted to get rid of him, so I was like, "Yeah, sure, man, whatever." And I didn't expect to see him again. But he staggered down the street about 20 minutes later. He he sat down with this African drum and he started playing with us, and he was absolutely amazing. And so this great big crowd gathered all around us and. Uh, and I, uh, you know, it was it was just going really, really well. And uh, he, between songs, he tugged on the on the worship leaders, the guitar players' pants because he was kind of sitting on the on the ground playing his drum. And he said, "Can I say something?" And the guitar player looked at me, and I was like, "Hey, it's street ministry. There's no rules." And so he just uh, he stood up and he put his hands up in the air and he yelled, uh, "I just want to say." Jesus kicks ass. And then the whole crowd like held up beer bottles and, and, you know, cigarettes and they were like, yeah. And, uh, and then we went on to another worship song and I thought, wow, this is like, this is like an awesome moment that I can't really share in church too much. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so God used, God used that, that drummer uh, to, to draw this huge, we, we ended up having like this crazy night where we were, uh, we were talking with people, we were praying with them, and it was a it was a Friday night. It was a really, really non-church kind of crowd, and uh, so that's where the title of the book comes from. And and I, I find that God is always surprising me that if I if I put myself outside of the church and if I put myself out where where uh, people are in the culture, it, it never ceases to amaze me that uh, you know I find God working there 
in, mm. in ways that are a little unexpected and, and definitely entertaining. Mike, let me finish up with, with one more question. So you serve as a professor. You've got, well, you've had uh, teenagers and young adults coming through your classes and office for the last, you know, 20, 25 years, right? So you've, you've, got, a, you've got a good uh, sense of, of who they are today, both in, in similarities to, to previous uh, generations and uh, their uniqueness now, their similarities to before, right? You've got that all wrapped up together. I want you to talk to our listeners a little bit about the uh, emerging adults in their lives. You know, teens that are 17, 18, 19, young adults into the their early 20s. Um, talk to us a little bit about them and their um, th- their sense of of what God is doing or or how God is is revealing Himself to them in ways that might be unique or that that our listeners would, would find really helpful as they are engaging these people in their lives. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I would say, if I had to make a generalization, that you know, in, in some ways, the, the generation that's coming up now has they've been overparented in some ways and underparented in others, and so, uh, so there's there's some gaps there. There's some there's some things that uh, need to be filled in. A lot of them uh, are coming from uh, dysfunctional and unstable uh, kind of homes, or at least homes where where uh, God isn't the the center of things and so so there's uh I, there's a there's a great amount of openness and there's a great amount of brokenness all at the same time so so i think uh you know i think that they're they're hungry uh for for adult role models uh who will you know who who want to be committed to raising them and not just praising them uh, but i but i also think that it it's, it takes more investment and there's a little bit more, there's a little bit more one-on-one uh, time involved, and in in the discipleship process may be a little messier and take a little longer uh, than it than it used to uh, back when back when even Christian homes were were more stable and more focused on God. How are you? In it? Uh, as a professor, uh, how are you living out some of that discipleship work with the teens and students that, that are, are in your classes and in your office? What, what are some of the things that you're doing that are kind of not on the street, not out, not out in the, the zany parts and stories and forum places and far out places? But what's some of that, let's call it personal discipleship, what form is that taking in your life as you're working with your students? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of what I do is, you know, it kind of looks, it looks pretty unstructured. It's not, it's not uh, a formula, but I, the, the way my program is set up is, is very experiential. And I and so I just, I spend a lot of time with students uh, outside of the classroom uh, in vans, in different ministry situations, you know, going, um, going away for, for the weekend and, and staying overnight. And so you get into a lot of those casual casual conversations that you know happen at 11 p.m. on a Friday night that that can't really happen in the classroom and so so a lot of it is uh, you know a lot of it looks pretty casual but uh, and and not not super structured but but I think um, I think the church has always been marked by by community and mission and so I try to uh, discipleship for me is 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 kind of you know bringing people into a community, but not just a community for a community's sake, but uh, a community that is is on mission. Uh, and so so as I 
as I'm as I'm rubbing shoulders with students and as I'm uh, you know kind of pouring into them and trying to model things for them, I'm also taking them out and and showing them how to do ministry. And uh, I th I I think um, to be really honest, like I stole everything I used directly from Jesus, uh, like his his method of. Uh, his method of, you know, you take a group of 12 people and uh, you do life with them and you, and you do teach them, but you also, you also take them with you and let them observe you. And then you, they do ministry alongside you. And then, then you eventually, they have leadership abilities. You send them out kind of on their own. Uh, I think that, I think that mentoring kind of model is, uh, I, I think that's the one that really works ultimately. Uh, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make a couple observations here. So the, one of the first questions I ask is, how do you stay passionate about personal evangelism? And your answer essentially was uh, the Holy Spirit. And I'm now I'm like, so how do you do discipleship, Mike? And you're like, uh, Jesus. And I'm like, man, those are some pretty good answers. I uh, may, maybe I need to improve my <laughs> questions a little bit, but. I've been accused of being a simple man. <laughs> at, at least he didn't add. At least he didn't add a dummy at the end of those. Like, hey, how do you stay passionate about personal evangelism? Like the Holy Spirit, dummy. Oh, how do you do discipleship, Mike? Uh, right, right, Jesus, right. dummy. Uh, so th thanks for not putting that on there. I appreciate that. Not adding that uh, that tag in there. But uh, yeah, I, I I appreciate it. I mean, uh, one of the things that I've seen consistently. Uh, you mentioned two things. One is just a, a relational openness that that as the foundation for teaching that that teaching isn't the foundation for relationship relationship is the foundation for teaching and that's such a subtle but important distinction um and i'm hearing you say you know you got to listen to people you got to listen to their stories you got to we're not going to call out into into the into being good stories unless we're giving good listening ears to people right people aren't going to learn how to tell their faith stories unless they have loving and caring and interested people who are willing to listen to them. So, so asking questions about like, wh where have you seen God at work in your life? How has God been active and really listening to their stories and, and showing that your relational commitment uh, to them before you're getting into the, the teaching, not to say that, you know, there's not a dynamic relationship there. Of course there's, but it has to be this relational connection. And then you also talked about how do you empower, right? Putting people out into the field and, and saying, you know, of course there's going to be some mess ups, right? Of, of course there's going to be some, some field conditions that people are just aren't going to be able to uh, account for. I mean, I've been studying theology and sharing my faith for 20 years, you know, in a, in a, some kind of organized or professional way. And uh, I've made, I've made so many missteps in, in sharing my faith and having moments where I was like, man, I wish I had said that. I wish I could have said that. But all of that is part of the preparation for moments whenever you get it a little, a little bit better, right. Than the, than the last time. And God is so gracious that he keeps giving us these opportunities so that there's times when you're like, man, I think, I think that I did a, a better job in bearing witness to our savior there than I did before. And, and by God's grace, I did that. And it happened in part because I had people pushing me out, right. And saying, go and do it. This is part of, this is part of your responsibility. This is part of your role. This is part of the life of faith. And uh, I really appreciate how you're doing that with your, with your students. And uh, I hope, I hope that that's catching in with some of our listeners here. Maybe some of them are, are getting inspired themselves to share their faith or they've got emerging adults in their own lives that they're saying, um, you know, it's time for me to empower them and put them in a position of responsibility a little bit more than I've, than I've uh, been doing previously.
Yeah, I, I, uh, I appreciate the, the kind words, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last thing here, I'm not, we're not going to talk about this. We're, we're about to wrap up. But you mentioned uh, kind of the, re the retreat aspect of it. And that's something that a previous guest we had on, uh, Dr. Catherine Douglas, talked about in Forming Faith in Teens. And she's done a really good job of trying to stretch our imaginations about how discipleship with teens can look like. And we often think about the rhythm of weekly discipleship, which is, is good and, and shouldn't just be neglected, but we, we can we can neglect opportunities for retreat so that students who maybe can't or just aren't in a rhythm of life where an hour and a half or two hours a week every, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever night of the week happens, but maybe they can block out for a 48-hour retreat and, and using that time specifically. So I just want to direct listeners to uh, our episode with Dr. Catherine Douglas called Forming Faith in Teens and uh, also another episode called... Uh, Teaching Teenagers in a Secular Age. That was our first podcast episode we did with Dr. Tim Furry. Another really uh, helpful episode. And uh, finally, from uh, another evangelist point of view, Dr. Uh, or Jeff Wallace, uh, Pastoring Teens of a Wide Generation. I've just encouraged listeners to check out some of those podcast episodes as well. But Mike, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your own passion for personal evangelism with us. Hey, thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. I encourage you to give us a like or a subscribe, depending on the platform you're accessing this uh, podcast through. Those really make a difference in terms of us uh, knowing you're listening and making sure that more people can hear such resources like Mike has shared with us. Check out some of the previous podcasts, including the three I just mentioned. We've got a whole bank of these, and you can find them at SoundCloud by doing a search for the Wesley Seminary podcast. Appreciate you, listeners, because without you, there is no, uh, there's no podcast that's happening. Uh, shout out to Cam Davis for his production work. Thank you, Cam. You always do such a great job. I really appreciate that. And to all others that make the podcast possible through the seminary and the wider Indiana Wesleyan community. Uh, thanks again, Mike. I really appreciate it. And I uh, look forward to having you back when you can share some more stories with us as well. Okay. Thanks, Aaron. And again, Mike is the author of Jesus Kicks, and you can find him on Twitter, and you can uh, access uh, finding a way to get that book uh, through him on Twitter as well. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great day. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the name Wesley Seminary.